Welcome to Menopause Reimagined. I'm your host, Andrea Donsky, a nutritionist for more than 16 years, and I'm in menopause. I'm a menopause educator and avid menopause researcher. I'm also the co-founder of wearemorphous.com, where we empower you to take control of your health and your symptoms with nutrition, lifestyle, and supplements. Today, I'm speaking with Dunn. She's a New York Times bestselling author of nine books, including a memoir and a biography of Cindy Lauper. Her last book, not to hate your husband after kids was published in 12 languages. She's a frequent contributor to the New York Times, Vogue and Health. She was a columnist at GQ and at Oh, the Oprah magazine. She lives in New Jersey with her husband, the author Tim Vanderbilt and their daughter. And now she's the author of Hot and Bothered, What No One Tells You About Menopause and How to Feel Like Yourself Again. Welcome to the show. Pleasure to be here. Congratulations. I'm always, <laughs> I love, you know, the fact that you're writing a book on menopause. So yay, big prop. So congrats to you for Thank you. Thank you. And the more menopause books out there, the better. Don't we agree? I mean, I just love that there's even more down the pike. This is so overdue. So overdue. And I love that we're talking about it. And here at, you know, at Morphus, that's all we talk about because you know, for me, spreading the word, educating women, and also mm -hmm. helping them to understand what's happening to their body is so key. And I know that's what you do in your book. So give me a little bit of your backstory. What inspired you to write the book? Well, you know, I've written books before, and I was sort of casting around for an idea. And I do like books that reflect my own life. And when I was 45, I started skipping periods and getting symptoms of perimenopause. But I've been writing about health for 20 years and I didn't connect the dots. I just, I wasn't, you know, it's, you know, there's not a lot of awareness about symptoms. So if you just get some random symptoms, you could, as I did, just assume, oh, I'm in midlife. Well, of course I'm not sleeping. Of course I'm tired. Of course I'm, I'm stressed and I have brain fog. And so there's just, you know, women in midlife are often taking care of elderly parents. They have, they're running around after kids. They're, they're working sometimes, you know, so there's all kinds of reasons why you might not figure out what the symptoms are. And I certainly didn't. So I skipped three periods. And at the time I had a toddler, I had a, a baby later in life. And so I remember lying awake at like five in the morning and I thought, hold up. I just skipped three periods. My boobs hurt. Oh, okay. I'm pregnant. Cause that's where I was at. Like exactly. you don't think about, you think, Oh, menopause, that's for older ladies. That's very golden girls. It's not me, you know? And, and I was taking my kid to parties with bouncy houses. Right. And like, you know, Elmo cakes. So I wasn't, I wasn't at all in that mode of thinking. And so I remember shaking my husband awake and saying, Oh my God, I'm sorry to wake you up, but I, I think I might be pregnant. And he was like, what? You know, I maybe could have ramped into that one a little better. And, mm -hmm. and so we had this long, intense conversation while our toddler was sleeping, like, okay, what are we going to do financially? We, we only wanted one child and, and what are we going to do? How are we going to adjust this? We, we, we were holding hands and we were just talking about it. And finally at the end of it, when the birds were chirping and my kid was about to wake up, we thought, all right, if, if I'm pregnant, we're just going to deal with it. It's just the way that it is. I came to find out I wasn't pregnant. I was in perimenopause and it took me too many doctor visits, you know, tons of co-pays. I went to a specialist. I had a racing heart 
And I thought, oh, okay, I'm going to have a heart attack. You know, heart disease, number one killer woman. And nobody could tell me what the problem was. It, nobody connected up that it was perimenopause. And finally I did. And I thought, okay, so this is my experience. The onus is on us to be aware of the symptoms, to figure out how to treat them, to talk to our doctor who may only have 10 minutes at the end of your OBGYN appointment, you know, to even talk about menopause. And so I thought, okay, if, if I'm clueless, surely other people are too. And then I went, I thought, should I do a book on menopause? I went to my library and <laughs> I saw acres of what to expect books for pregnancy. pregnancy. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. yeah. Nothing about what yeah. to expect when you're no longer expecting nothing. <laughs> there was one book and it was written in the nineties and there was a doctor on the cover and, and the, the advice was outdated. And I thought you can be, you know, you enter menopause as you know, and you don't leave, you're in it for life. And so that could be 40 years and there's nothing about this, this crucial life stage that affects half the population. So I thought that's it. I'm writing a book. I love it. You know, your story is so similar to mine and so many other women. You said you had a baby later in life. How old were you when you mm -hmm. had your baby? I was a week from 43. Oh, so okay. yeah. And so that can also add to the confusion, right? Because you're, you're in a different realm at that point. I was 41 when I had my third and I just actually mm. did a really good interview with a longevity doctor. And he was saying how women who have their babies in their forties tend to live to be centenarians or that tend to live longer. So I thought that was really interesting. I always love when I hear women who had babies later in life in their forties, because mm -hmm. I did as well. So that's a fascinating area of research I'd love to explore. So, all right. So let's talk about the stigmas and this taboos, because, you know, I love what you said. And that was the same for me. My story is very similar for our listeners. They know my story and it's more <laughs> Like, wait, I didn't even know the word perimenopause exists. What? I'm, and I've been in the health industry for at that point when I figured it out in like 17 years. So I totally mm -hmm. get where you're coming from. You're like, wait, why are we not learning about this in school? Why are our doctors not talking about it to us? Why do our mothers not mention it to us? Like, like help. What are your thoughts on the taboos, where it's going, the stigmas? I'd love to get into that conversation. So it's, you know, it's, the usual suspects, it's ageism, it's sexism, you know, not enough funding in women's health to study the effects of menopause. That's changing a little bit. Racism, you know, women of color weren't included in research until the 90s. And even just, you know, since I've been alerted to it, I, I realized when I was writing the book, I have this old computer and it was auto-correcting the word perimenopause. It oh, thought yeah. it was a spelling mistake. And I thought, this is where we're at, you still know, now, like, by the way, still now, even on social media, like it's all, it's auto-corrected all the time, or it doesn't even recognize yes. the word, but menopause, no problem. Right. But Perry, which is also so important, nothing. And, and, you know, in the culture, yes, I noticed that I never had one single conversation with my mother about menopause, not one. And we talk about everything. And when I was writing the book, I said, hey, mom, how was your menopause experience? It was horrendous. I didn't even know. And I do think that I'm in Generation X. And I think we're starting to talk about it more. It's a thrilling, 
you know, you're doing your part. We're all starting to talk about it in a grassroots way, which is the way that it's going to happen, right? I wish there were policies that supported menopausal women in the workplace and elsewhere. There aren't, you know? And so I, I think that it's growing and I, I sometimes get frustrated that it's growing slowly, but even now, I, I, the fact that there's interest in this book, even when I started writing it two years ago, I thought, is this, is this just gonna sink? Is anyone gonna care? And things have changed so much. I love that celebrities are talking about menopause. Yes, a lot of them are pushing products, 100%. Like it's very obvious, but so what? Like so what? if they're- yeah. if, they believe if they're, in it. If they yeah. believe in it, that's the, that's the it's True. if. If they right. believe in it, then it's okay. <laughs> and And really like people, you know, like it or not, we still look to celebrities to drive things like that. Like they still have a lot of power. And if they're talking about it in a very real way, great. And I, I also think that we're starting to talk about it. Our mother's generation did not with anyone, not with their friends, no one. And I think that is going away. And, and I noticed that the younger generations, I have high hopes for them because the ones below us are so transparent about so many different life issues, body positivity, menstruation, you know, period talk, you go on there, you can't believe what people are talking about. They are so upfront about it. And I thought oh, yeah. when they get to this stage, they are not going to put up with this crap. They are going mm. to be very open about it. And my hope is that by the time they reach menopause, they're kind of like, eh, I'm in menopause. Like that's, that's my biggest hope is that people, you know, part of the fear is, is the unknown. And if you don't have the information, then it's scary. Then these symptoms drop down on you and you don't know what's happening. If you have the information, if it's been drilled into your head, that it's not a disease, it's a normal life transition that it's coming, then I think that would, that would help a lot. Like I noticed the UK is so menopause forward in so many ways. And I think they're, they're leading the way in terms of of a curriculum in in schools in the UK they learn about menopause in health class can you imagine amazing I just know. being aware of it when you're a kid would would go would be so helpful then you know what's coming yeah you know and, and that's why it's so important that we all speak to our kids about it and you know yes you know, so it's our gen, just gen X is we're speaking to our kids about it. I mean, I have three kids, I have two daughters and I have a son and I mm. talk about it so openly to the point where it's like, not even like, it's like, whatever. Oh yeah. Mom, menopause. Like it's so normalized. And that's the key is the more we talk about it. And I don't know if you found this too, but when I was going through it and I was in my, you know, now I can't come to realize that I started Perry in my mid thirties, but mm. really after I had my, my third baby at 41 at 42 I was like you know symptoms that I had had postpartum weren't going away and I was like asking a lot of my friends I'm like are you experiencing this too like do you find that you're like in, your hunger is insatiable and are you gaining weight and do you smell things that nobody else is smelling like all of these questions <laughs> and I remember them looking at me like no like absolutely mm -hmm. not and I'm like am I crazy? Am I alone? Like, what is happening? Why me? Like, I, why is this going on? So I feel like now and what you're doing and with so many of the, you know, authors of all these new books are coming out, which I love and talking about it and all of, you know, everybody who's, who's having the conversation is that it's, we're not going crazy and it is a normal biological part of our life, like phase of our life that we're all going to go through if we're blessed to live long enough. And mm -hmm. I think that it's great. And I love that you're, you're having, yeah, I love that you're talking about it because the more we talk about it, the more we educate our kids, the more, and 
hopefully one day it'll change and hopefully in North America they'll they will learn about it in school you know hopefully fingers crossed that it'll happen I'm driving my kid I talk about it it's mundane to my child just like it is with your three kids and that's the way it should be right, right. then you remove the fear then you know what's coming then you remove the surprise Jancy there's emerging research that shows that women of different races experience menopause differently can you talk a little bit about that Yes, I mentioned earlier that women of color weren't even included in, you know, national studies until the 90s. And they it there's been a decent amount of research that shows that women of different races do experience menopause differently. Black women experience hot flashes for years longer than white women. But you know, the research is complicated because you can't discount the health effects of systemic racism year after year after year and how that affects their health in general. So one of the challenges that a lot of researchers have told me is like, how do you separate that out? And are they in fact experiencing hot flashes because of a biological reason or is it an environmental reason? Yeah, and hot flashes affect certain races less and sleeping problems as well. And, you know, Asian women have different symptoms than white women, and there may be an element of eating more soy. It's all still emerging, but that's another encouraging sign is that there, you know, researchers are, are noticing that women experience things, you know, these symptoms differently and trying to get at the why. Hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about what's in your book and what women can expect to read? And is it only for women? You know, that's a good other thing too. Like, is your book for everybody, women, their partners? Like, is it for everyone or is it just for us who are going through it? For everyone, because I really wanted to be clear, you know, going back to, I'm in a, a partner relationship. I have a husband and I, it's for everybody because we, we all should be talking about it. I know this is your message and it has been your message, but I realized I was hiding the symptoms from my husband. That's how I was imitating my mother. I was suffering in silence. Treatments are available. Yes, you have to have insurance. Yes, you have to go to the doctor. Yes, it's a lot of work. But if you want to feel like yourself again, whatever it takes to make you feel vaguely like yourself so that you recognize yourself literally and figuratively in the mirror, great. And also to normalize it by talking about it, that it's, I think from the ground up, the grassroots talking about it is is really going to help. And and also, yes, to to come clean to everybody that you can. I, I don't, I know it's difficult in the workplace. And sometimes I read these articles saying like, oh, tell everyone you're having a hot flash in a meeting. Well, you know, if you have a bunch of 22 year old dudes that you're working with, that's, that can be difficult, but do what you can, you know, and, and hopefully the culture is just going to inch forward little by little. Oh, and also that menopause specialists exist. This is another big message in my book is that if you have health insurance, if you can, no, not that insurance pays for it, but you go to North American Menopause Society, NAMS. You type in your zip code and you can find a menopause specialist near you or decently near you, hopefully, that can in one go or maybe two goes, sit down with you. You can do telehealth appointments and they know what they're doing. They, they can quickly and effectively point you in the right direction for treatment, tell you where to go, then they kick back to, you know, they share information with your doctor. And 
I just did as a random experiment. I typed in a few area codes. These women that can help you, they're like department chairs at Ivy League schools. They're half the people I interviewed in this book are the specialists that you can consult. They've written dozens of, of scientific papers on menopause. Like they couldn't be more qualified. And they're helping you because, you know, as we know, a lot of doctors have only had maybe an hour of menopause training. And, and so going to a specialist, if you can do it, is is an amazing thing to do and will save you time and money and agita. Yeah. And also making sure you find somebody that you jive with, right? So even 100%. if somebody is a, is a specialist, you want to make sure that it jives with what you believe in and what you're, you know, what you're looking for. So I think that's an important thing to mention too, but menopause.org is the name of, is the website URL for North American Menopause Society. So you can definitely go check them out. And that's a great tip. Is there anything else you want to mention before we go? Where can people find your book? Where could, you know, you know, last, last words or last tidbits that we, you could leave with us before we end the interview? Just, you can find my book anywhere. And it, my website is jancydunn.net because somebody's parking on the.com and, and just thank you for your work and, and let's all normalize this life transition. And, and when you're through it, it's really kind of great. I'm through it now. And my brain fog went away as research shows that it does that how many times when you lose something, does it come back to you? And I'm, I'm decently sharp now, as sharp as I'll ever be. And so it's once you're through it, it's really okay. You're back to your fully weird pre-menstrual self in a way. And it's, it's been kind of great. Thank you so much for doing the interview. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jancy. She is really funny. This podcast is a little bit shorter than my usual podcast, but she's super busy promoting her book. So we only had a certain amount of time to actually have the interview. So we'll have her back again to talk more about menopause and perimenopause. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please share it because the more you share shows you care. And please leave a review because your reviews, first of all, I read them. And second of all, because it helps to let other people know what you think about our show. So I appreciate you as always. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you at the next podcast. 